Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. The topic tonight, activating the goddess brain with the medicine of flow. And our guest tonight is Dr. Jinju Dasala. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the opposite of our uh, past in in the sense that um, I guess what I'm talking about is fast versus slow, or um, being being in our brains and and like strong arming creation where it's all mental and we're more or less disconnected from our heart and our soul and then the flip side of that where we're out of our minds and we're totally connected to our heart and our soul and from that place um, to be in flow with our heart and our soul it's it's a curious thing when you go to solve a dichotomy. You go to solve a, a, a paradigm that is undesirable. I mean, humanity's waking up. Humanity's um, got a real deep desire for a, a new story, a, a new probability, a new possibility of what our future can hold for us. And what I like about episodes like tonight is we're gonna we're gonna slow down and 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 peel away the obvious, if you will, and take a deeper look, a deeper look at the notion of flow, the notion of uh, a state of being, a way of being that is not mainstream, that is not commonplace as of yet. And what I like about tonight's episode is what Dr. Jinju brings to this. Um, her her background makes this conversation spot on for uh, the topic tonight. Dr. Tasala is in service of the great awakening of the divine feminine consciousness, women's empowerment and cultivating harmony within and all around us. Dr. Dasala is the author of an upcoming book, The Goddess Brain. She is on a mission to share the medicine of flow and inspire the awakening, honoring, and celebration of the divine feminine wisdom within all beings. Dr. Dasala is the co-founder of the Naya Asa Institute, where she directs programs for individuals and organizations pioneering new paradigms of healing, education, and transformational learning based in scientific, spiritual, and somatic principles. These programs include women's coaching journeys, retreat, 
neurosomatic life coaching and therapeutic flow arts. She is also the creator of Naya Asana, a cross-cultural somatic practice weaving Asana dance and flow arts to ultimately awaken universal feminine power and access innate somatic wisdom. I love that. Both on and off the mat. She is also the former neuroscience research fellow at the National Institute for Health. She's a published author in the Brain Research Bulletin a faculty member at the Hawaiian Yoga Institute, and the creator and author of Beauty That Transforms and The Goddess Brain, both based on successful transformational coaching programs birthed in Hawaii. Her most cherished mission and passion is creating space for women to awaken their highest soul purpose and manifest their heart's deepest desire. She currently lives in Bali with her beloved husband and their four-year-old son. Join me in welcoming Dr. Jinju Desala on the show. And welcome to the show, Jinju. Hello, Les. It's so wonderful to be here. I've been looking forward to this. And I absolutely love the work that you're doing in the world. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, um, I think you're doing quite a wonderful job yourself. I mean, when I went, when I saw the topic that you chose for the episode, activating the goddess brain with the medicine of flow. I mean, um, hmm, you know, that that right there, it, it's subtle. It's got some really subtle undertones, but goddess brain, you just can't even say that word without um, holding on to something because it it seems like we're in a, a chapter where the, the awakened feminine is going to kind of like uh, – um, recalibrate us or reschool us, if you will, as to the possibilities of of our own really innate potential. T- t- tell me a, some of your thinking behind this uh, show title. Mm. Yeah, it's a good thing we have 40 to 50 minutes. <laughs> There's a lot there, right? I mean, the goddess brain in and of itself, I feel like, is one part of the story. Um, and the medicine of flow is is kind of the other part of the story um, where I like to, there's so many ways to activate the goddess brain, and we'll talk about, I'll, I'll share what I mean about that, but first, um, which is kind of to go to the point of flow, this is, I feel, in the way that, in the way that I'm going to present it is, is the most powerful way to activate the goddess brain. Um, where would we like to start? <laughs> Well, um, the last three words, uh, and I'll add one to it: the medicine of flow. How does how does flow have a medicinal effect? Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that is a great, great question, and the only reason why I literally stumbled into. 
experiencing for myself um, the medicine of flow was because I I experienced the therapeutic benefits of um, what is called something low art movement. Okay, um, so there's flow, and let's take a step back here as well. We're talking about the concept here, flow. Right, flow is such a such um, such a big word, kind of like love, yeah? kind of like God, kind of like play. And so what do we mean? How do you define love? Well, defining flow is a lot like trying to define love. Um, but there actually is uh, someone named Dr. Mihai, Chief Sent Mihai, who is considered the father of flow psychology. And according to him, um, the definition of flow is that state uh, where you are in the zone, fully immersed um, and present with an activity, and you're focused and you're fully involved, but importantly, you are in, in full enjoyment of the process. So um, can, you, can you relate to, to, this, to this concept? Well, sure. When you say uh, fully immersed or um, it, to me, it seems like you're um, collapsing the scatterbrain, if you will, um, and to fully immersed, I guess you could even say fully focused, um, but I don't think it's like an ego focus per se. It's more of the ego letting go and uh, just kind of an unattached awareness in the moment with that Exactly, exactly, Les. The whole point, and you know when you are in flow, well, actually, you don't know because you're so in the moment, you're not thinking, I'm in flow right now, um, where the ego completely disappears. And I like to think of it as movement, meditation in, in motion. Um, you can think of athletes often uh are able to talk about the flow experience, but it doesn't have to be uh, extreme athleticism. It can you you can drop into the flow, uh, knitting or cooking or meditating, literally. So it's a state. It's not the what you're doing. It's the state of what you're doing. And and so the medicine of flow. And also, I'm not sure if you have noticed, but I've noticed in the last 10 years, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this, there's been a bit of an explosion of this conversation about the flow state. And um, and, and and so it's, it's really, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, although what I've noticed is that it's often in the context of, of how to achieve peak performance how to how to hack in a sense um, this flow state for the purpose of of winning for the purpose of um, of, of, of competition of, for the purpose of of these um, for lack of a better word for these a bit more masculine um, uh, purposes which there's nothing wrong no judgment there no judgment there. Um, and and so this this in a way kind of I'll just bring a little bit of a circle to the goddess brain here, um, and and also I'll go back to something called the flow art movement.
of the things that I noticed in in this conversation of flow is really uh, it's, to me the the voice and the perspective and the context of the feminine is not it, it's missing it's really missing there and it's no surprise because uh, when I look around and and at all the different um, and all the different conversations that we're living, all the different dances that we're dancing on this planet as humans, uh, right now in this world, we are truly, uh, I feel, truly immersed in a patriarchal world. And where the voice of the masculine um, pervades and there's the, the, the rigidity and of and, and I don't mean I mean there's 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 shadow masculine, there's light masculine. I mean in the sense of we can even talk about Chinese medicine. We have the yin and the yang energy. So there is a dominant yang energy uh, that pervades everything that, that we do and it's a very interesting thing. Um, now just to kind of circle back to my own experience. I, I was not really uh, I was not really studying this this concept of flow until about 2008. I was um, I was in a somatic uh, life coaching ontological coaching program, and one of our assignments was to find an activity, a somatic activity that is new, to basically move our bodies in a way that we've never moved before and to couple that with our transformational process. And for me, the, the activities that I felt called to uh, was spinning something called and dancing with something called poi. And in 2005, I went to the festival called Burning Man. Have you heard of this festival? Oh, sure, <laughs> indeed. And when I saw um, the very, the night of the burn, there's like thousands and thousands of uh, uh, people dancing with fire ceremonially. And in that moment, I knew, my soul knew, I was in the middle of grad school, actually, it was a very dark time in my life. And, and I thought, wow, that, that is what my soul needs right now. And so that led me to learning how to do this flow art called poi dancing, and you learn how to dance with these props before you put them on fire. And and as I was practicing uh, with with the poi, within a month or two less, I noticed the most profound shift in my nervous system and in my brain. And as a neuroscientist. I got so excited and thought, what, what is this? What am I experiencing? Has anybody done any research on it? And, um, and that kind of, that basically paved the way of, for me, a very passionate direction in diving back into neuroscience to, to understand, to, to learn as much as I could about how and, and why this kind of movement was helping me to to alleviate anxiety and depression, and and have these suddenly profoundly um, expanded perspectives in my life. So that's what 
I mean by the medicine, a flow. And when I started to meet other people, that's when it really got even more interesting. Interesting when I went to these places where people uh, dare with these different props, whether it's the hula hoop or the staff or juggling balls or um, there's so many different props now. It's, it's amazing. Um, there was a similar story. Uh, everyone, almost so many, almost everyone I would speak to had a story about how how whatever that flow, the flow practice that they that they embraced saved their life. And I thought, what do you mean saved your life? And it's just like I had, I was severely depressed, feeling suicidal, uh, panic attacks, and when I started to practice, when I got into this practice, it literally changed me. And then meeting people on that same journey, um, there I could see that there was this, this revolutionary movement that was healing people, that was healing people. So, um, so that, that is the medicine of flow. And I can, I'm happy to, to, to talk about some of the research I found, but I'm going to pause there and just, um, check in and just see how all of this is landing and see if you have any questions. Well, the, um, I love your description of of the flow, and just to complement that with my own experience, uh, here in Colorado, we're so blessed to have, um, well, there's actually various platforms of one of my favorite forms of dance, which is ecstatic dance, and there's a place called the Rhythm Sanctuary here who's been doing this. Oh, for, I love the Rhythm yeah. Sanctuary. I Remember when it was just getting started? I it, do. It used to be over on Federal, but um, this is like two or three hundred people that gather every week to a static dance. And if you're not familiar as a listener with the static dance, you basically unplug from your brain. You un you disconnect from your thought process. And you allow, you get out of the way and allow your body to express as it so chooses. And there's a curious thing that happens when the when the chemistry, when the alchemy of the group is right. There's some DJs that come in and and I'm going to be blunt and say they play glorified elevator music. And, you know, they found a drum machine and the tempo doesn't change all flip of the night. And nothing really, ha I mean, it's fine and whatever, but there's others, and I promised Sundragon, I wouldn't mention his name, wink, wink, that, uh, oh, you just, oh, that, that, that knows how to take the group, uh, ballistic or nuclear or whatever, because he understands these, these like octaves of energy, these octaves of consciousness. And okay. he'll he'll have a he'll have a, an, uh, a a set that he plays, and I feel it quite vividly, quite clearly. The entire group uh, kind of harmonizes on a particular plane of consciousness, if you will, and then he just takes the whole group up, and and I I. I myself feel it for myself, and I can feel the collective energy of the room purifying itself. It's like we're we've 
we've got 50 layers of really muddy clothes and we're just peeling them off in this ecstatic euphoria. <laughs> and it, it's such a transformational time. And then at the end, people share and, and the song remains the same. It's like, holy crap, what was that? And, and, and so I'm talking about a very, very, very high energy physical exertion. And I'm going to flip it completely over to nature. If you drive up in the Rocky Mountains here and park anywhere along the road and walk back off the beaten path and stand in nature that hasn't had the human element, there's there's an exquisite peace that, that happens. And I've contemplated the what are the elements of this peace. And, and one of them is... Um, the continuity of consciousness. The tree does not fret about tomorrow. The the plants do not worry about condition. They are at ease in the moment. There there is there is no um, prejudice or posturing of any kind. And the the flow, even though it's on the polar opposite of a static dance, the flow is. Um, so exquisite because the tree is just being, just mm -hmm. by its presence, it's fulfilling its soul identity. And and as time uh, traverses in this extremely peaceful environment, the, the flow is so powerful. It's the growth of a forest, I mean, which is hard to wrap your noggin around over a decade. And yet in the moment, it's eloquent and serene. So th those are kind of my uh, uh, slants on on the notion of, of flow. And I love this conversation, so. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful, absolutely. And I I personally feel for, for me and for all humans, you cannot find more powerful teachers of flow than than the elements of nature. Um, and I will add children as well. Yeah. <laughs> Those the the children the children on this planet are really truly um, amazing teachers of flow at least for humans right because you can look at fire you can look at the tree you can look at water and I uh, know that, that those elements are part of us, uh, yet they are not human. And you look at a two or three or four or five-year-old child just being completely his or herself, him or herself, and it, it connects even more powerfully for me as a reminder and as an invitation to reawaken that, that part that is still inside of us. That, that child inside of us can express it at any age. Our age is none of our business. We all have that. And what you're talking world. about on the ecstatic dance floor is, <laughs> I feel, the, it's an inner child and um, just a really sacred, harmonious consciousness right, that, that is fully, fully blossomed. It is fully, fully in flow. Um, I'm heading to Colorado at the time. I will be in Colorado, actually. Uh, so then at the time of this show, Ecstatic Dance is tomorrow night. 
the Rhythm Sanctuary, and um, it's been it's it's been a while. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I really miss Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bali, Indonesia, and and no matter how far away I go in the world, Colorado always has my heart in a very very powerful way. Oh, so um, so we were talking about flow. the medicine of flow and um you know one of the one of the pieces i just want to add that is going that might be a little bit less uh that might be a little less obvious to perhaps um the audience and perhaps even you because it was not very obvious to me when i realized this is when i got into the research of um, what is Dance, right? A lot of this, because dance, dance is, I think, very much foundational to this, this to invoking this, this slow state. However, less the research is showing, interestingly, that when you bring a partner into your dance, the the benefit uh, for your brain health. Benefits for um, uh, raising consciousness and for literally creating new new beliefs and, and new ways of being in the world are magnified, and it has to do with bringing the brain. And I know you've had some amazing guests on your show who have talked about this uh, about bring, bringing the the brain into whole brain functioning. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to is through contralateral movement patterns. In other words, it's like learning. It's the most powerful thing that any of us ever did to develop our brain and the nervous system. It's widely agreed by scientists everywhere. Is learning how to crawl. It was the first time we really that took that high level of coordination. But from then, most adults tend to, the, the, the amount of that kind of somatic learning tends to decrease over time. It takes effort. It takes effort to try and coordinate your body. And then you bring in a beat and you, and you coordinate with the music. And then you bring in a partner. And it's, and you can imagine what this does for the brain and the body. And there's um, there's actually one study that uh, I feel is so, so powerful um, that that I would love to share because this, this study, when I learned about it, it, it really shifted my, my view. I loved dancing my whole life. I've always loved dancing. I, it's hard to imagine anyone would not love it, but there's actually a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable with it. So I like to share this uh, research, especially for those who don't feel comfortable or have some sort of notion around dance, um, because it's so powerful. They, uh, this, this, was a, this was a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and um, it was a longitudinal study, and they followed 420-some uh, senior citizens. And they looked at the different activities that these senior citizens, and they followed them, sorry, for about 21 years. Um, and, and I think they're still following 
well, not all of them, but they're still, this study is still going on. And they wanted to see if there was a relationship between different activities that they would engage in and um, the rate of, of, or the likelihood of, of getting dementia or Alzheimer's. So they really wanted to see okay, what are the activities they're doing and which activities have the most protective effect on the brain uh, from developing dementia and Alzheimer's. And, um, and so what they found, long story short, uh, and, and they divided the activities into cognitive activities and physical activities. So you could think of like uh, crossword puzzles, is one of the cognitive activities, learning a new language, um, and then physical activities, things like golfing and uh, house cleaning and walking and swimming and biking. So the most, what, what I wasn't surprised by is the cognitive activity of crossword puzzles that had a very significant protective effect, something like 42%, like if you, so if you practice Doing your crossword puzzles three to four times a week, uh, based on this study, you have a 42% less, you're 42% less likely to develop dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, so no surprise there. However, with the physical activity, this is where the big surprise, the big shock was. Uh, with, with most, almost every physical activity, uh, such as running, walking, swimming, even playing golf, uh, there was there was a 0% protective effect on the brain, at least in this study. However, the one activity, there were two actually, there was the one activity that scored the highest, 70, with a 76%, 76% protective effect on the brain was dancing. Wow. But wow. not just dancing, ecstatic dance style, and I, I would love to see a study on that, and I'm sure that there will be some hopefully soon, um, but one of the things they noted is it was partner dancing. And um, and the other activity, I think it was at like 72% or something like that. I may be off by a percent or two here, but they were both in the 70s. Uh, the, the next runner-up was playing a musical instrument. Isn't that just staggering? Well, what well, the hell? What the I, mean, hell? I mean, if these things are sitting in front of us as opportunities, because here comes a here comes a now moment. Here's another now, and shit, another one still. I mean, if we're traversing time and there's these opportunities to improve ourselves, you know, I, I know there's been like uh, like Nia and and other forms of of um dance that has been introduced um it it seems like uh low bearing fruit because what you talked about dancing with a partner and a musical instrument um most communities have that um available right now so i i find it fascinating i mean the whole uh genre of the new human living radio show is is unraveling this this human experience that we're all having, unraveling it in the in the sense of personal evolution, personal awakening, personal transformation. Um, we've got about twenty minutes left. 
And so I want to, I don't want to, I mean, I love, love, love the conversation we've had so far, but with your neuroscience background and those two words in the title, the, the goddess brain, let's, let's take a step back and pivot and, and re-engage the notion of goddess and, and how the brain plays a role in that archetype. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's step back. I'm just going to create a little context and share a little bit of the how and the why the journey to the point that the goddess brain emerged. And literally, it was a lightning bolt moment. Um, I as a woman um, and as a human, I have definitely struggled with my own uh, anxiety and depression, as I mentioned, as I mentioned before. However, I think perhaps um, even more specifically, what I realized is growing up and then and then going through uh, the educational programs and then being in science. Um, and being in the lab and being in the world is just a sense for me, and I and I and I sense that this is this is a this is a common feeling for many women around the world is just not quite feeling like I belong. And um, but I didn't come to that conclusion. Uh, well, I, the the feeling was there, but then the epiphany, the epiphany of why I didn't feel like I belong and um, was really what led to what led to this uh, to this concept of of the goddess brain and that epiphany came when I became pregnant in 2014 with our first and only child and this <laughs> this wealth of wisdom just literally bubbled up and started growing inside of my womb through this pregnancy and then through the birth and and what occurred to me in that process especially working with the medical system and then working with the midwife uh, is this realization of how wow the the way that I'm being instructed to go about my pregnancy and my birth by Western medicine is very different from what I'm hearing from my midwife. And, and again, it's this, you know, this masculine, feminine, or this uh, young, yin kind of these, these opposing energies in that. And it just hit me how I had spent my whole life up until that moment. I think I was 37 years old when I was pregnant not realizing the wisdom and the power of of my feminine the feminine my feminine essence my feminine body my feminine brain and this really uh blindsided me in a beautiful way and then i was able to see with a new lens that um goodness like all those times that i felt like i didn't belong it's not that i didn't belong it's that we really do live in a world 
that was created by men at this point in time. We, our cultures and the way that our hospitals, our schools, um, even the way that we do science, the way that we do research, uh, the way that um, the way that we do so many things has just been really uh, controlled and created created by men. And um, when I uh, I started to so this sort of led me down this path of of learning more about instead of just let's see before this I was I was content with doing research on, when I would do my research, I would just look for effects of flow in the brain or uh, what does flow look like in, in, in the brain. And I, and I didn't really discern my research between what, what they were finding, what researchers were finding in the male brain versus the female brain until this time. And so as I started to go down that rabbit hole, what became shockingly, and I'm surprised that I didn't notice this when I was actively doing research, was that basically almost everything that we think we know about the human brain is based on data that was collected in male specimens. <laughs> Whoa. I'm no sproctologist, but uh, can I raise my <laughs> hand and ask a question? No. Yeah. Keep absolutely. going. <laughs> What's that? Did you want? Did you have no, a question? No. Keep going. I'm just saying. Well, I see an obvious problem with that research. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. A big one. A really big one. And nobody's really talking about it right now. So that's. That's when it really occurred to me, um, and, and the, of course I went into the research, okay, who's written about this? Who has written about the female brain? What do we know about the female brain? Um, and we don't have visuals right now, but I have, have, a, have, a, I have graphics when I give this talk, um, and at one of the graphics shows that, uh, that of, all, of all the branches of science, you know, from... Um, from zoology to uh, uh, to neuroscience to microbiology, whatever the whatever the branch is, um, behavioral psychology, neuroscience of, is 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 the branch um, that actually has used uh, that has almost zero percent of their studies have been done on only on only female brains. Right, they have a they, there's probably like 8% of the studies that have been done in neuroscience have used both male and female brains, but the majority is, is male. And there's a reason, there's a reason for that. When I first, when I first really sat with this, um, I thought, is it, what is, what is this bias? And, and it's not that these researchers are, are not interested in female, uh, female brains and female behavior. And then this actually reminded me of my own research and being in a lab. And I remembered, but I didn't really think about it then, is that it gets complicated <laughs> when you bring female specimens into, uh, into an experiment. It changes all the data. Well, you know, 
the the notion of bringing a linear measuring stick into a nonlinear realm just makes me <laughs> smirk a little bit. Because <laughs> science is about quantifying and measuring and uh and the the divine feminine is about the polar opposite of that. No definition of of you know it, it, how do you how do you grab a void? How do you open a box of void and double the the quantity of void? I mean, science wants to measure and and quantify. And I'm keep going. I I, I find it very curious. Yeah, science wants to be able to measure and quantify, and there's nothing wrong with that. And they want the pretty linear, as you said, that linear correlation is gold in, in being able to publish. And just like any other industry, it's an industry, and you either publish or you perish. And so it's, you know, I, I and so, the you know, the purpose I see behind um, raising awareness, I I. Uh, I mean, there's many, many purposes. I feel like the more we can raise awareness about this, I feel like the more scientists will, I think they're going to, I think that this is something that's going to explode. And um, and there are a few. And then, so the other exciting thing, I, I'm so excited about this, when you, the, the studies that you, that are out there that have looked at the difference between, or the similarities between the female and the male brain, so far, show how vastly different our brains are um, from from how they process information. Uh, the female brain tends to process laterally and wholly. Uh, the information tends to bounce from the left to the right to the from the back to the front, and the and 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 really travel along along the white matter the the basically the highways a little bit more and the male brain tends to go deeper and tends to be more linear and deeper in the cell bodies and i think this is really profound really really profound um i mean we already know that we're hormonally different and um and then here is uh here is another i think just another beautiful fact to think about um, to sit with when you think about the brain too. We know uh, now we approximate the cerebral cortex has about 16 billion neurons um, and this is where the majority of neuroscience research occurs in the cerebral cortex um, and and also and also in the limbic, limbic system. Uh, however, the cerebellum, there's something called the cerebellum, it's right in the back of you, you probably know where it is, right in the back of your and base of your brain, it is estimated to have 69 billion neurons. 16 in the cerebral cortex and 69 billion neurons in the cerebellum. And we have not even scratched the surface of wow. the cerebellum. Wow. Well, okay, so it's, it's quite evident that there, the, the feminine um, brain research is um, doesn't really do it justice and and you, you know I did get a, a hit that um, um, 
we we can tend to subconsciously avoid things that are very powerful um where we we subconsciously um stay in a realm where we feel quote safe unquote and and yet the longing of the human heart for eons of time has been for a new paradigm a new story something more authentic that we can hang our hat on for the for our desires and intentions for the future and and to me it seems like the um the elephant in the room so to speak is is this this feminine awakening and mm-hmm. when when you talked about how the the feminine brain kind of um, I'm going to add a little bit, pushes the information all around the, the the brain and kind of like, I don't know, measures it on, on, takes a look at it from every angle possible. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, so I'm a listener. I'm, I'm drawing a metaphor here. I'm a listener. I'm a female. I feel like I need to step into my power I'm getting this real urge to kind of own who I am and and show up in a more powerful way. How does how does what you know, Jinju, about the, the the feminine brain? What would you tell our listeners about how to work uh, in in harmony with these feminine attributes of of our brains? Well. The first thing I would say to a listener, um, to all of you listeners, if you are women or if you are men too, um, but especially the women because of because of the the, the, the cultural um, context that many of us have been raised in, is uh, the first thing to gather from this, I would say, is to know that there is now research or lack of, and there is growing research that is evident for you to know that there is nothing wrong with you as you are. Those ways of being that that are, um, that cycle through the month, that cycle with your hormones, those ways that you think, that you label sometimes as crazy or others might as well. These, these darker, um, less accepted ways of the feminine essence being expressed are really normal, healthy, and needed. We just have not had the training, um, and enough of the awareness as to how to be with and to harness and to utilize the wisdom of these sometimes uh, scary experiences, these inner experiences. And and then the second part of that, I know we are um, coming up on the hour here, is to really, if you're at a point where you're like, I want to, I really want to awaken my feminine and activate my goddess brain and my goddess essence. 
I touched on that cerebellum because it is there's there's a there's there's an there's a seed of a, a school of thought beginning to rise up that that is a theory that possibly the seat of the feminine soul is lives inside of the cerebellum where much of our unconscious experiences, dream experiences live and the but importantly the other part of this the aspect of the cerebellum is that it is highly involved with coordination and dance and integrating sensory experiences. So where I'm going with this is if you want a quick way, if you are not already dancing, flowing, moving your body in a way that you've never moved before. And this goes for men, too. I think for all humans. And children are masters of this. They are constantly, ooh, let me see if I can do this. Ooh, can I do this with my body? Can I do that? And so they're, they, 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 their brains are already activated in that, I call it the goddess realm. Um, and it's actually true that all of us, including men, our brains are very much the same. And then it's when the testosterone kicks in at the age of five, six, seven is when uh, is when the goddess brain that we're all born with begins to begins to differentiate slightly. However, whether you are a man or woman, you can still access this. And it's not about I don't believe that feminine awakening is about embodying the feminine and letting go of your masculine. No, no, no. And it's it really is the name of the game right now for all of us is how how do we harmonize the two? How do we create balance, cultivate that balance within and all around us? Well beautiful. I you know, I want to chime in a little <clears throat> masculine perception here in that um the in the Western society, typical, uh, I guess I'll use the word typically, the the male tends to um, try to be a problem solver in a relationship. And if a woman starts sharing some of her angst and worries and concerns and troubles, the man can can drop into the role of, well, I need to I need to fix this. I need to um, help, quote, correct, unquote, this. And um, and to compound that, um, the masculine is very much encouraged to keep our emotions in check, keep our emotions under control, which is laughable in the sense that if all we do is control our emotions by stuffing them in our subconscious, at some point we're going to have a, a volcano event because it's, uh, our emotions will come out at one way or the other. But the, the point I wanted to talk to as far as the men listening is when, when either a man or a woman feels anything, our emotions come from within us. They don't come from outside of us. The outside can trigger our emotions, but the feelings, our emotions, are an inside job. And the good news is, men, you're off the hook. 
you're not responsible for how a woman feels, per se. You can trigger um, emotional um, lessons that are left to learn, but when you allow the feminine to have an emotional uh, an emotion well up in them energetically and have her demeanor shift you're not it's not there for you to fix and just to, just to be present and hold space for it and not try to push it down because you it makes you feel uncomfortable just to hold the space for the feminine to to feel safe enough to feel that emotion and know it's not going to tip their world on, on end, if you will. You kind of hold space while they fill it with how they feel. And, and, and to learn that simple yet um, sometimes challenging um, technique can can allow that feminine to show up in your partner and I promise you over time it'll change the trajectory of both your lives in a very 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 powerful way so I just wanted to chime in with that I really appreciate you speaking to the men out there about this this is, this is huge and in one one thing that just came up while you were saying that is is when a woman or a man is expressing, um, especially for a woman, that to remember that that is also another part of allowing the woman to fully activate and and fully embody her feminine essence because another part of her essence is that the feminine is, is about artistic expression. And so when when... When a man or a woman is expressing or when a child is expressing, maybe I think a powerful way all of us can look at it is like art, right? So when someone presents a painting or a sculpture, we don't try to solve it. We don't try to fix it. Right. Yeah. And I would say that is, you know, as, as we see the rise and the awakening of the feminine consciousness, and, and all of us on the planet, that's something that we're going to also see arise in art, in art and expression, in artistic expression on the planet. And and art is driven so so much by emotion, often, often. Thank you so much for for adding that piece, Les. Oh, my pleasure. Um, you know, um, the the our mythology the history of our human experience if you will is is so lopsided i mean it's like the cart fell over t 10,000 years ago and the horses are just dragging it upside down and uh and now we're at a point humanity is at a point of riding the cart of of returning to balance of returning to flow to return to um harmony so I wanted to ask you, um, what are the what are the new uh, characteristics? What's the new paradigm of of the divine feminine awakened? In other words, if I were to magically go back in time, 
the feminine is is subservient, so to speak, to the masculine. Or I don't I don't have to put words to it. It's quite obvious, quite evident. But now we're now we're we're at this pivot point where the feminine is going to uh, re-blossom, re-flower, um, find its own equilibrium. Um, when you when you think of the of of that return to grace, if you will, what are the attributes that have been missing in the feminine that that you see as uh, reestablishing themselves? Uh, well, right away, I think one of the biggest aspects that I see is is that this new paradigm will involve and. Uh, depend on as many women and humans, women in the world, honoring their true nature. And to honor your true nature, you have to do the work to know your true nature. And I think many of us women have gotten a little bit confused and we've trained ourselves to believe that if we want to sit in a seat of power in the world or be a leader or be a researcher, then we need to do it like the men do it. And I think that that doesn't really serve um, us achieving that healthy balance. And I think men also need to honor their true nature and let us be different and let us honor our differences and let us sit side by side to to co-create uh, moment by moment the most balanced, harmonious situation that we can create, whether it's in the um, in, in, in politics or medicine or education, and and so it's happening. It's happening. It's it's, it's really happening, and I think that there's a lot to be excited about. This is a very exciting time, um, and then. And, and and the good news is, if you are a woman or a man listening, there are ways. There are ways to, to do this work. And it, and, and the good news is it, it can be very joyful. It doesn't have to be hard work. And it often is warning label here. You may, uh, you may birth your inner bliss <laughs> as you, as you, as you show up to do this work. So. Well, it, it's time to shine a light on you. I I want you to take these next moments and paint a picture for our audience about um, your um, institute in Bali and what you offer there and what it would look like to participate. Um, give us the full spectrum of of what services you offer and and let our audience know how to engage those services. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. I would love to share about Nyasa Institute. Yes, this is uh, we are based in Bali, Indonesia, but most of the work that we do at, at the current moment is, is, is online. So please, if you're listening to this and any of this is interesting, uh, please do come to our website and see all the different offerings that we have. Uh, so Nyasa Institute uh, is ISECHA, so it's an international institute for somatic healing, coaching, um, somatic coaching and healing arts. 
So basically every offering that we have, every program that we have ultimately is about um, education and transformational learning based in scientific, thematic, and spiritual principles. So we offer retreats. We have a retreat coming up in March in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, we have virtual coaching programs on awakening the sacred feminine. And we also just launched our first teacher training of neurosomatic flow, which is a whole new modality. But you'll just, we don't have enough time to get into this. But it has to do with the medicine of flow and moving the body in new ways. Um, and so whether you're a professional or wanting to incorporate, and that's one of my missions as well, is to work, and that's happening. We work with a lot of professionals and organizations um, to help uh, train people to bring this into schools, into hospitals, and into corporate environments, um, into laboratories. And um, and I would say the other, the other aspect of this is if you, for me personally, um, my most recent my most recent baby is something called nayasana yoga uh so through through online through our website um very soon i'll be sharing uh guided guided movement sensual movement uh and meditation journeys specifically to awaken the feminine soul and also to um, immerse in divine mythology um, of the goddesses. So that uh, hopefully is, is enough to get you interested enough to come on over and get to know us. And we do have gifts if you sign up for our newsletter, our Ohana letter. We're happy to send out, um, send out a couple of gifts to you and just connect, whether it's in the U.S. or in Bali, Indonesia. We'd love to connect with you and to share in a dance in some flow, in growth, in transformation, and we're all in this together. We are all in this together. So thank you so much, and looking forward to connecting with you. Les, it's been amazing to be on the show. I feel like you and I could just go on and on and on, and we will probably <laughs> offline. <laughs> um, so thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, share the your URL again. Oh, yes. Um, so the URL is www.nayasa, let me spell that for you, N as in, N as in, um, a. no, <laughs> A as in apple, I as in igloo, and then A again is an apple, and then S as in Sam, A as an apple, so nayasa. Nayasa. Uh, Naya is actually a Hawaiian. We have roots in Hawaii. So Naya means dolphin in Hawaii. So Nayasa Institute, uh, Institute, dot earth. So www.nayasainstitute.earth. Well, bravo. Um, you know, time can fly pretty fast. Uh, I want to thank you. Jinju for being our guest tonight. What a what a just a delightful conversation. I very much appreciate the um, the integrity and the the really the compassion that you show through the passion you have for this this work this material. 
I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I very much have enjoyed this episode. Mm, thank you so much, Les. It's been an honor. Thank you for your work. And, yeah, I'm excited for everything that is, is unfolding. So, namaste. Namaste. We've been talking with Dr. Jinju Dasala, and again, the topic tonight has been activating the goddess brain with the medicine of flow. Wow, what a what a delightful conversation. Um, I, I love the content we covered tonight. It was it was spot on for what a lot of people I think are hungry for, a, a deeper understanding, a deeper connection with the not-so-obvious aspects of our innate potential, our innate wisdom, and how to connect with it. New modalities, new perceptions, new understandings of who we are as human beings playing out this, this really... Uh, amazing time of transformation of of our human paradigm of our human condition the evolution and perhaps the enlightenment of the human species at a scale that is just unheard of in our mythology well time can fly so fast i'm so glad you chose to join us tonight i want to thank you as our listeners it's always a pleasure creating opportunities like this for you that you may learn more about who you are and the role you have to play in the unfolding of these next chapters of our human story. I'm Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.